0: The big question is, what are the top entrepreneurs doing to get more sales, dominate their category, and how can you get the same results without chasing likes and comments? It's time to flip the script. This is the Virtually Famous Podcast. I'm your host, Louise Corville. Please subscribe. Let's get started. Thank you so much for joining us on the Virtually Famous podcast. And today's guest is Starlight Monday. I'm so excited to hear about how you help entrepreneurs, uh, Starlight. And if you could just share with the audience who you help, what problem you solve, and what prompted you to solve this problem.
1: My name is Starlight and my company is Bottled Lightning and I help online entrepreneurs, coaches and consultants grow and scale their businesses. I do that by helping them launch transformative programs and build communities around their big vision so that they can generate recurring revenue and reach more people by working less but have a bigger impact in the world. I started out helping people with this problem because it was something that continued to evolve from where my clients originally started. When I first started my business, I was helping my clients launch their vision and their business in a major way, right? Getting their brand, their messaging and everything set up. And then over time... I realized that they would get to that stage where they would begin to make progress, but they would start to get overwhelmed in offering one-on-one services, right? Once they really started to lock in their service and their leads and and began serving the people that they loved, they would get a little bit burned out on -on one-on-one offerings, right? Where suddenly you feel like you're just grinding and working all the time. And so at that stage where people are getting ready to scale, they're often often considering whether or not they want to create a course or a program or start a community. And at that stage, I had a lot of expertise that I hadn't been putting into practice with my clients because I had been using it in the startup space. It's really all about early traction, right? You want to get your business idea out into the world and then you want to get as many people as you can behind it. And so community and growth and launching became my professional expertise well before it was ever my actual business. And at that stage, I realized I could take this launch ability that I was helping my clients in their early stages with and apply it to building communities and programs around their vision and help them scale their expertise and reach more people.
0: That's awesome. And I think that you are in a perfect area because i think you're going to see um as we go forward i think you're going to see communities being much more prevalent in the online world and i think that that is um so helpful to coaches and and course creators and obviously consultants but um how are you launching like um launching is a is a It's an ambiguous kind of a word. So how are you helping them launch?
1: That's a great question. So the the truth is, is that when it comes to community, uh, launching is a little bit different because it's not something that people simply consume and then move away from, right? Like a program, we want them to complete it. And then off you go into the world, putting what you know out into the world, right? And the reason I like to focus on community specifically is because Most of the people who I work with are visionaries in some form or fashion, they have some big idea that they're trying to put out into the world, and they want to make the world a better place. And the truth is, forgive my French, but going it alone is a shit way to live and an even worse way to do business. And for visionaries and thought leaders who are really trying to make the world a better place, they really do need the power of a community behind them. And so launching a community means that it's more of a collaborative process around the people who believe in your vision and actually building something that helps them feel empowered to take that vision to the world on their own as well, above and beyond just taking in the information and applying it to their own life. It is really about, excuse me, a community is really about creating an energy that continues to grow and evolve on its own. That's part of the reason that it's so great for scaling is that initially it starts out with a lot of personal effort and investment, but good communities are self-powered and self-generated and with the right people and the right energy inside of your community, it begins to take on a life of its own and a movement of its own. Reaching a lot of people and having a really profound and measured impact in the world really takes hold. So when it comes to launching a community, it's super important that you understand the core journey that your customers or your clients or your target audience is going through, right? And so one of the first things that's important is being able to map out the beginning and ending states of where the people are that are coming to you and working with you, right? It's essential to be able to articulate that to them as well. When you are first getting started, often a lot of people get bogged down in the early stages of creating their community because they have ideas and they know what they want to spend their time doing, but they don't know how it kind of takes shape into a program. And and we're so used to, you know... Uh, courses and things like that, where you click through and you watch a video and you do the little worksheet and then, okay, check, and now next what, right? Whereas the amorphous idea of a community can feel a little bit difficult for for entrepreneurs who are just trying to get their arms around it. They're not entirely sure how to make that happen. And so the game-changing launch program that I offer not only helps take the idea out of their head, but encapsulate it into a program that can get results for the people who are inside of that audience, while also ensuring that the people inside of their community are empowered to continue being um, forces for good in their own way, right, and continue moving that that mission forward. There are different applications of communities. Um, Not everybody's creating a community for something so big and broad. Sometimes it might be something simple like, an ongoing support community after somebody's created a group program, or it can be something big like generating a lot of movement behind a new book with a brilliant idea that you've put out into the world, right? There are a lot of different aspects to it. But the core aspect of community is that people gather around a core idea and that idea is what brings them together. And so how do you then turn that into an experience where People don't uh, fall into the usual habit of like buy it and forget it, but they actually become an active part and a contributing part to this organism that continues to make a bigger, bigger mark in the world.
0: I I love it Be, only because we are so aligned with our messaging and um, my one of my my hashtags is circles, not silos. And absolutely. And so that's one of the, my hashtags I always have is that I believe that working in, in small groups is going to um, get you further, faster. Um, and whereas if you're working alone, uh, that silo, nobody gets you anymore. Your friends, your family, they don't, they don't get you anymore. And so when you when they do say, hey, how are you doing? And you don't even know how to respond because of the fact that you you don't know what's going on in my business. My business is my business is my life and my, you know, and so if you're not talking to somebody, this happened to me yesterday. I'm not talking to talking, um, spoken to this person in some time and they asked me how it was. And it was just like, I, like I threw up on them. Um, But it was, you know, that's what's happening right now in, in everybody's online business is that, and they're working on their messaging alone. And when I'm building out the virtually famous framework, that that is to be done with other people. It's not to be done by yourself because creating a marketing message is so important for people to stand out or to create a category of one. And that's the whole goal. So I love that you, you know, you're, you go after the core journey as well. And I, I call that the BEFTER, the before and after. And that that's a journey that people are on.
1: So I think one of the the things that are, is really most fulfilling about having a community around your business, and this isn't so much a, a, I mean, obviously it's the financial good decision because it generates recurring revenue and it creates the ability for you to reach more people while not having to work as much. But the unspoken benefit of having a community is that you are surrounded by people who get it and who want to take that idea further, right? And one of the most fulfilling things, and, you know, if you're a member of a community or you're a part of a group, this is something where, like, you can just really blast the people that are leading this this community by letting them know the sort of impact that it's having. Because one of the most rewarding and fulfilling things that I can deal with is getting feedback from somebody inside of the community who just goes, man, I feel like I'm surrounded by like-minded people. I feel like this is where I belong. I'm so happy that you created this space because I have somewhere where I belong and fit in. And that is truly that's immeasurable value that you're offering, but it's also so rewarding when you yourself needed to create that space so that you could be gathered with other like-minded folks.
0: Absolutely. I love that. So in, with regards to communities, could you share with the commu- like the audience three, maybe five steps that they can implement today that would solve that problem or, you know, solve the creating that community? Because I think a lot of people don't create communities because of the fact that, you know, they've created maybe Facebook groups in the past and Facebook groups in the past that were free were a lot of work. And so how do you get around that belief that they might have When it comes to having a community and then having to create content monthly so that, you know, they're giving their community more content to consume. Is that the type of community that you're talking about or are you just um, are we talking about a community that's not more content based?
1: Well, let's let let's be clear. If you were to ask me, if do I think a Facebook group, a free Facebook group constitutes a community? The answer is no. Um, No, that is a lead generating mechanism. And that's how you should really approach it. And if it's not working for you to generate leads and you're putting a lot of time, effort and content into it, you need to find a new way of generating leads. Like topic aside, a community does require time, effort and engagement, but a a community does not need to be high attention in the context that a lot of people mistake a community being the same thing as a Facebook group, because a Facebook group, you're fighting against an algorithm to maintain attention of the people who are in that. And, you know, for people who are just just getting started, and we could talk about platforms all day, um, you may feel like a Facebook group is the easiest door in and sure, it totally is. But the truth of the matter is, is that the the vibe of a community feels less like participating against the algorithm of a Facebook page and more like going to a really great party. And at a really great party... When you walk in there's a hostess who shows you where everything is she puts a drink in your hand she introduces you to a few people and the conversation gets started and then there's a point where appetizers come out and then there's a point where there's a performance or some music or then there's a point where it's like you end up kind of in your own corner over here with four or five other people from the party having a really intimate discussion and you leave that party feeling like you were seen you were connecting with other people and you had a really amazing experience and that that is the vibe that a community gives. So I didn't say, oh, the hostess comes out every two minutes and says, somebody tell me about how your day is going. What is your biggest struggle? Right? Like it's not about engaging with the hostess. It's about engaging with all of the people inside of the community. And so that's a really big, important kind of perspective to separate is the, the tactic of having a community on a platform versus actually creating a community experience. Now, if you're not sure if a community is right for your business or you're not at that stage, here's a few ways that you can tell. One, are people getting done with your program and asking you for what's next? then you probably have a great opportunity there for a community because if they're getting done with your program or they're getting done with your signature offer and they want to stay a part of something that's going on, but you don't have like an, a, a signature offer that applies to that, but they clearly want more access to you and want to connect with other people who have had access to you, then you have the, the early seeds of what can start a community, Second, if you just want to create a community because you want to be surrounded by like-minded people and do amazing things together and host like yummy little Zooms and do things that are amazing, great. It's time to put up a wait list and start talking about it. And anybody who goes, you know what, I'm really interested, you pop them on that wait list. A wait list will start to give you an indication as to whether or not people are really interested. Now, if you want to know if your community has legs and it's like, is this a viable option? And have I thought this out enough so that it is monetizable? This is the process that I suggest. There are other experts in this arena. Um, You might be familiar with Stu McLaren. Um, There are some other people who really talk about validating an idea before it's out there and you went all to all the effort to build it, right? And we especially know that in the online community and when you're creating programs and such, that it's in your best interest to put a little piece out there and make sure that fish bite before you go to all the effort and work of creating a full and comprehensive program and then realize it wasn't what people wanted or needed, right? That still applies to community. So in the community world, often that's called like a founding launch or a beta launch, right? And what that means in a very small bite-sized way is that you take your idea that says, hey, I have this idea for this community. It's going to take people from state A. Remember, we, that that journey is really important, that transformation. is going to take them from state A to state B. I think we're going to do these couple of things inside of the community. This is my vision. And I'm thinking about getting it started in a couple of months. If this sounds like what you would be interested in joining, if you like know you would want to be a part of this, I will let you sign up right now for a founding member rate which is a rate that will be locked in for the lifetime of your membership. For as long as you decide to stay, that's going to be your price. I can tell you right now it's going to be more than that when we launch formally and the doors are open. But because you know me and you you love and you like me and we're already kind of friends and we're kind of already in this circle, I'll give you this special opportunity. And then for the next two months, you and other people who sign up as founding members and I will get a chance to meet a few times and really forge the foundation of what this community will be long term. I will listen to your ideas and you can help me turn this vision into reality. If you like that idea and you want to sign up, send me a DM and I'll send you a link to pay. Now, do that for a week and a week only and you will see very quickly whether or not the basics of your concept have legs. Why? Because your transformation will be the hook You'll already kind of get some feedback as to whether or not this is a good idea, because if nobody bites, darling, it's okay if nobody bites. It doesn't mean your idea is shed. It just means that maybe you didn't articulate it correctly or the language wasn't right. Before you set out this little founding member opportunity, it's core for you to write down how many people is the bare minimum for this to make it worth it, right? Have some numbers. How many people, how much money will it take for this to actually make it worth it for me? How big is my email uh, list? How likely am I to get some conversions out of this? And And then go, okay, for one week, I'm going to keep the doors open and I'm going to talk about the vision of my founding launch. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritties. I'm not going to make promises about content. I'm not going to say, oh, we're meeting every Thursday. I'm just going to say, this is the vision. Do you dig it? And you will see very quickly whether or not your audience has the appetite and the motivation to join. And usually for people who are clear on what their audience wants, that founding membership will give them the momentum to pay for a proper uh, platform where they can actually build a community with tools and techniques and opportunities and onboarding and the content that they need. But it will also show them that they have something that's really juicy and worth going. And then it does even a cooler thing which is it gets the party warmed up and pop in before the doors are open and everybody else shows up because nothing is lamer than showing up to the party and being the first person there when you're not the best friend of the host. If you're the best friend of the host, that's your job. Girls show up early, help make drinks, warm up the party, get the music bump so that when everybody shows up, this is a fun place to be. That's what a founding member is. It is your VIPs. It's your inner circle. It's the people you don't have to convince, wheedle, or sell to. It's the people who already know, look, I love this person. I love what they have to offer. And I don't care what happens. I want more of it. That's Those are the people that you help rely on to build a community with that can make all the difference so that when you do have your big launch and you go hard and you broadcast it and invite all sorts of people in because you're ready and you have a schedule and you have content and you have onboarding and you have everything lined up to make a community successful you've done that during the time in which you had these founding close member people who were willing to really create the vibe with you and get that whole thing started. They're getting the benefit of additional access to you. They're getting the benefit of having a locked in price. They're getting the benefit of helping you forge the direction. And long term, as your community begins to grow and you begin to get more clear on what your community offers, because that's the other thing that makes a community a little squeeby for people, is that it's not cut and dried how it goes as it as it actually begins to take on a life of its own, right? You have to be comfortable with the fact that like some of you are like, we're going to meet every Thursday. Okay, nobody's showing up every Thursday. Well, maybe meeting every Thursday is not the right idea. Does that mean your whole community idea is shit? No, it just means that... It's time to go back to your community and go, nobody's showing up on Thursday. What would actually work for everybody? What is the most valuable thing that you're getting from this? Let's focus on that, right? And that, that level of, of comfort with pivoting and listening and responding is essential for community owners because communities take on lives of their own. But as your community continues to grow, you will inevitably get more experts involved. You will get more content created. You will have more and more and more value to offer and your community will become more and more valuable and it will be reflected in the membership price, right? Every time I recommend for most people as they're getting started, every time they open the doors for their membership, they should raise the price again. Why? It's motivation for the people who join now, knowing that they're getting the best price that they can. But you inevitably are going to continue to generate more and more value inside of that community and your price should reflect that over time. So... If you're really considering a a community, first, get a wait list up, see if people are interested. Second, when you're ready, run a founding launch. The first people you're going to talk to is the people who are on that wait list. And then you're also going to go through your email list and go, who are my VIPs? Who are my previous clients? Who are the people who are already near and dear to me? Because those are going to be the most likely people to jump on a founding membership launch if it's the right idea. You want to make sure you have enough people. I love you, darling. But if you ran a founding membership launch and you only got two people, please refund them and circle back to the idea because two is not enough to really validate the idea. I can see some people get started in that arena and then they think they need to forge forward, which is why I ask the question, what is the bare minimum for you financially and for how many people are involved that will make this early messy little process worth it? That has to be answered by you before you do your founding membership launch. Then, for a week, open the doors to your membership launch. Just a week, not a minute more, not a minute less. Don't drag it out. If you're not getting enough people in a week, it's okay. Time to circle back to the drawing board. But after a week, if you have enough people in your founding membership to make this really feel like, wow, I think this could take off then you have the, first of all, there's nothing like getting paid for something that doesn't exist to really light a fire under your ass and get it done. Now we're talking about like, oh shit, let's get the platform lined up. When are we formally launching this? When are we getting everybody rolling? Like, cool, cool, cool. Let me get excited and connect with these people and start forging the idea in a grander way. But a founding member launch is really a way that you can take some major action in your community that both helps you move it forward while validating your idea, while warming up the party that eventually your community will become. Right. Wow. That was a lot. It <laughs> was a lot of information. And I'm uh, guilty are, of being a fire hose from time to time.
0: <laughs> and I believe that um, that was it was probably like that visual it was like, oh, my goodness, that's a lot of information. And I'm sure that what you need to do is download this episode and save it and go back to it because there was a lot in there. I do have a few questions with regards to that you probably shouldn't open it up if that wait list has two people on it. But what, do you have a a sense or do you have a, like I get where you're saying like every time you open it up that you should raise your price um, because it makes sense that people will jump in and then they won't keep leaving. That's a great advantage. Do you have a price point that you suggest?
1: Yes, absolutely. The price point is how many people is the bare minimum amount of people that will actually pay for the amount of time and energy you feel like it's worth it to get started. Like that's really the answer. Couple that with how will you provide the value, right? Because pricing isn't so much about like, oh, all memberships should start at nine ninety-nine. No, that's nonsense, right? Like there are memberships who are charging nine ninety-nine to download a couple images and they call it a day, right? Like subscription models can have very low prices because they're offering something very small and bite-sized. But then there are group programs that are thousands of dollars a year, right? And so it really kind of depends on what is the value that you're offering these people what is the outcome that you promise them if what you're promising them is just yum yum good time then you can kind of price that around like what a yum yum good time costs in that person's life right but if you're talking about a community that by its own nature will absolutely transform what you're doing and bring more value to your life then you have a price point that can be a lot higher because you're delivering something that really that, that delivers on the promise of your community. That's why the promise of your community and that transformation is one of the first things to lock in because it actually influences whether or not people look at the price and go, oh, that's a slam dunk, right? And so for, for pricing, the, the value raises because the value of the community raises, right? right. The impact that it delivers raises. But at the end of the day, if your price and the number of people that sign up during your first launch do not match up to make it worth it, your community is quickly going to lose steam because you're going to show up exasperated and burned out, feeling like you're overserving the few people who didn't pay enough to make all of this worth it. And that doesn't serve anybody, right? And so it is important to figure out your pricing early on, not just in what you're offering, but knowing what is the number of people that need to be in this to make it successful out of the gate and how much does that cost when I take those that many people and split it across the number of of dollars that I need to make in order to make this worth it for me. And if those numbers aren't matching up, then it's time to either grow your email list and get better conversions, or it's time to reassess maybe you're putting too much into your community and you need to scale back on what you're offering, or is it actually the right fit for your target audience, and are they able to afford it? And they're saying they're not able to afford it. That means are you actually going after the right people who are getting the right value from your community? Right. It's one so, of the reasons you know I get the benefit of being the strategist in this context is because on a, this is really a personal question, but I get to help people solve it based on having a deeper understanding of how their business works and what it is they have to offer.
0: Do you have a suggestion as to what platform um, that these communities are built on?
1: I think that the platform is is part of like. From the community perspective, answering what platform is best is like the sixth step in planning a community. Do I have a favorite? Absolutely. I think Mighty Networks is head and shoulders above other platforms out there. Why? People are looking to leave Facebook. You don't have to fight against an algorithm. It's totally private. It has an app. Many people are already on other Mighty uh, groups. Therefore, it's something that they're already accustomed to. But it also has a community feature in addition to course features and gamification and onla- uh, onboarding tools and analytics and things that are essential to the inner workings of monetizing a community in a way in which it just it's unparalleled. There are other options out there like Circle and um, most Most web hosts at this point, web builders like Squarespace and Wix, offer some form of community tool that's actually a partnership with an existing membership platform. Some people also create, they'll use plugin combinations on WordPress, the, the, the real answer to like, what is the best platform for you is how will you make sure that your platform is where your users are always going to show up? And how will you make sure that you instill this early habit in them that they not only purchase and show up the first time and introduce themselves and bounce and then forget about it, but that there is a continual callback to that space that they can't help but return to it and contribute in the community. Right? I think that's essential.
0: I think that that's where people, you know, that's why they stay with the Facebook group because of the fact that they know that their people are already there. But I agree with you with regards to their algorithms. But I also think that even when I go into Facebook now with all the different groups, it's overwhelming. There's so many groups. I mean, how many groups do you belong to? I hear great things about mighty networks. Now, do you agree, um, of the, the concept of opening and closing the the doors to the actual community remember
1: yeah so so when you're first getting here's the thing when you're first getting your community started if you leave the doors open all the time you are constantly having to invest time in marketing to continue to drive growth inside of your community when your doors are open you have to focus on driving more members If you're doing that while also trying to seed and build the context and culture and value inside of your community, your attention is split and the work is twice it's a pain in the ass. And I say that from experience. I can also say that for two years, I had a client whose doors were continually open and every month we would have to come up with some like false sense of urgency to get people to buy that month and sign up now. And we were getting three, four members at a time. Every now and then we would run a really concentrated push and we would get like 15 or 20. I, convinced her after six months of trying to close the doors on her membership, set up a waitlist instead that just said, doors are closed, get on the waitlist, we'll let you know when it opens. We had a focused launch that was open for 10 days and then closed again. And she was able to double her membership in that first launch. Like the numbers just don't lie. Now, is a closed membership ideal for everyone all the time? No. If you need to have a member, like, let's say, for example, for pregnant mothers, like they're pregnant when they're pregnant, they're not going to be pregnant based on your wait list, right? And so if if your uh, ideal customers need you now, now, then you need to understand that you have to spend significantly more time and effort marketing your community to continue its growth. And either you're going to do that in in paid ads or focus time and energy or put somebody dedicated on it. Now, on the other hand, there is a stage in which once your community has gotten to a stage of growth and you're put into what I like to call orbit mode, where now it's really about regenerative community tactics how are we keeping the momentum of the community going inside how are we making sure that the engagement continues we have onboarding already locked in we have outboarding locked in everything's kind of running on autopilot then you're at a stage in which if you know that things are working that people are joining your community they're engaging they're staying for a long time and you can see that based in the numbers of your community and your retention rate is high et cetera, et cetera. like things are working then is the point at which you can switch to an evergreen open mode because you know that things are working. But when it's always open and it's open from the beginning when something doesn't work, you're not really going to have a clear bead on why because there's just so many things that you're trying to juggle at that same point. But once your community has legs and it's running on its own steam, then you're at the stage at which paid advertising totally makes sense because the onboarding process and the introduction and the the inoculation of Culture into that community is something that you can run on autopilot rather than what happens with a closed membership, where there's a focused attention on when people get in the door, making sure that they quickly become a part of the community and get that transformation. On that same note, I just want to mention onboarding is something that a lot of people, I think, don't pay as much attention to, especially when they're thinking about launching. They're like, the doors are open, I get everybody in, I close the thing, great, the launch is over. When you onboard effectively, and onboard really just means that your new, ho- your new guest at the party feels comfortable, they have a drink in their hand, and they've experienced the joy of being at that party, i.e. they've gotten a small transformation, you can effectively triple the lifetime value of that member with an effective onboarding plan. Because psychologically, what people are looking for after, and this also applies to courses, this applies in a lot of arenas, but when they first drop in, the psychological subconscious question that they're asking is, am I going to get my money's worth from this? And when you can deliver a transformation right out of the gate, when they first jump in they're more likely to triple the value of their membership. They stay for three times as long. They're more likely to upgrade and buy additional products. They're more likely to be engaged. And so that window of onboarding, that first week, 10 days max of their membership needs to be highly focused, making sure that they feel welcome. They know what's going on. They've been introduced to other people inside of the community and they're getting results right out of the gate. And when you can deliver that and then even better when you can deliver that on autopilot, now you're freaking cooking with gas, right? Now you really have something that's, that can bring long-term recurring revenue but also really strengthens your community because the other thing that's important about a community is you know popping in and out or dropping my membership and monthly like I, we can discuss monthly versus annual memberships another day but when people don't have any impetus to stay, It's like trying to create a party on top of a trampoline where like random people are kind of popping up and in and out and you don't actually get to create this cohesive space and culture where people are developed and working on things together and moving forward as a group. Right. And that is really essential in the regard of like protecting your community that when some random person drops in. Two three times in a month, and they're somebody new, and they don't know what's going on, and they're asking dumb questions in the community. You can see this happen inside Facebook groups all the time, where like somebody drops in and they don't know, but they're they're asking questions that are disruptive to the process and the the progress as a whole because they weren't effectively onboarded, it brings down the whole vibe of the situation across the board, right? And like, why would you do that to yourself when you're trying to create this genuine container of experience that is powerful and collaborative?
0: Wow, that's so insightful. And uh, I know that I could see that you're very passionate about communities. And helping people build them. And if somebody wants to reach out to you, where would that be? Where was the best place, to maybe on social or your your website?
1: Yeah, so my company's name is Bottled Lightning. And so you can reach me at bottledlightning.co is my website. Or you can reach me at iBottleLightning on pretty much every social platform.
0: Awesome. That is um, so much information. And I know that people are going to benefit from listening to you and the sheer excitement and the strategies that you have. They're very, very uh, insightful. Thank you so much for joining me on the Virtually Famous podcast.
1: I'm delighted to be here, Louise. Thanks for having me.